video cast that's done every other Monday on Facebook, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, as, as we say, with Talk More Talk, that is the title of a Paul McCartney solo song. And we specialize in here is pretty much talking about the solo Beatle careers, John, Paul, George, Ringo, after the split. And uh, occasionally when there's something that we have to talk about Beatles-related, newsworthy, something like that, we talk about the Beatles as a group, too. So, um, I want to introduce, right off the bat, my three co-hosts that are here with me every time we do the show. Uh, usually, I leave this gentleman as last, but I thought it would be a little different to put him first, okay? Uh, usually get saved for the end. Uh, he's a longtime veteran of radio for almost 40 years. Syndicated radio program is Every Little Thing, and he also hosts a podcast, Things We Said Today. Let's have a welcome for Ken Michaels. Hi, Joe. Hi, everybody. You're throwing me off, making me the first person. <laughs> Change it up a little bit. I yeah. may be off kilter tonight. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good to see you, Ken. All right. Uh, yeah. Now, also, you know, Ringo Starr once did a song called uh, King of Broken Hearts from his very good uh, Vertical Man album, okay? Well, here's someone that I'm going to call the Queen of Open Hearts. And uh, <laughs> she has a couple of books you might be interested in. One of them is uh, Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours Through the Beatles' Lesser Known Tracks. Also, Michael Jackson, FAQ, all that's left to know about the king of pop, all you wanted to know about. I think it's all that's left to know about yep. the king of pop. Got it. Kid O'Toole. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank hey. you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. She's Take the queen it. of open hearts. <laughs> I like it. Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came to me easy. Like okay. It. And finally, not least, but this time I'm putting him uh, at least at the, at the end, that is. He's uh, the co-host along with Andy Nichols of a nice uh, video cast called Two Legs, very McCartney-centric, solo McCartney. And let's have another welcome for Tom Hanyadi. Hey, Tom. Hey, everybody. It's good to see you all again, and uh, look forward to another uh, interesting uh, topic. Very interesting, because mm -hmm. it was just 50 years ago, that's 10 days ago, April the 10th, that the Daily Mirror had the infamous title uh, on it, the headline, Paul is Quitting the Beatles. Uh, and uh, this show is pretty much going to be discussing our feelings uh, for at least two of us that were alive then at the time uh, who uh, might remember uh, how we felt or not. And uh, we have a lot of opinions on that. You know, uh, was it kind of like a dark day at death 
uh, was it a rebirth? Was it uh, a thing for the best? And so on and so on. We're going to get into all of that. But before we do, uh, I didn't ask Ken before the show how much we have, but Ken's <laughs> going to do the news. And how are we doing with the news today, Ken? Do we have a lot? Well, no? we got quite a bit. Okay, okay, but we'll get right to it. First of all, uh, as I'm sure you all know, Paul McCartney performed on Saturday night for the live broadcast of One World Together at Home which aired on most of the major networks, a two-hour concert to raise money for personal protective equipment for COVID-19, which it did. Last I heard, it brought in $128 million. Wow. Uh, Paul yeah. performed a slowed-down, bluesy rendition of Lady Madonna in what looked like a pre-tape performance. He is supposed to be at his home in Sussex. It was just Paul and a keyboard alone. And Paul also appeared in a video with some of the stars of the concert to thank the health professionals for fighting the coronavirus in Britain. So before we continue with more of the news, what did you guys think of the whole broadcast and Paul's performance? Let's okay. Well, how, we should go first. Uh, with, how about Tom? <laughs> you pick it. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, um, you know, I wasn't expecting him to be second or third or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, surely wasn't expecting him to do Lady Madonna, especially after, you know, him talking about his mother, you know, and, and all the good that she did. And, you know, while she was, uh, was it a nurse? Was what was that what she was? Or, yeah. Anyway, but, midwife. Uh, midwife. Midwife, yeah. 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 Yeah, but um, you know, it, it caught me off. It caught me off guard. Um, the you know what he did, the arrangement he did, caught me off guard. But you know, it's funny because I was we were talking with um, uh, uh, Chip Mattinger and, and and Mark Easter because we're doing a show with them on two legs, and and Mark um, uh, reminded us that this wasn't the first time that he did that arrangement like that. He did mm -hmm. that on the Chaos and Creation uh, at Abbey Road. Where um, and so I went back and I watched that and uh, it's it's very similar. The, the vocal arrangements are a little uh, are similar. I mean, obviously Paul's voice has aged a lot more since then, and you yeah. can definitely tell through that performance. However, I'm not gonna you know I I, I applaud him for you know bringing that arrangement back. Um, however, you know the the voice thing, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we can't really. I don't I don't know how much more we can you know put him down for it or tell him to stop you know, doing it because of his voice or, or whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I'm glad that he did the show. It was nice to see him. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was fine. Yeah. When he started talking about his mother, yeah. I was saying, okay, here comes Let It Be. I was surprised yeah. that he worked that in. Yeah. With Lady yeah. Madonna. Kid, it, gave it, it gave it like a purpose because at first I was thinking to myself, uh, what is Lady Madonna really? How does that fit into this? But then he, he explained why he chose that song and it fit mm. in. I just want to say for me personally, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised that he did that song. And uh, I, I didn't care for the, the arrangement, honestly. Um, I'm glad that he was there. You know, I commend him for doing it. Anybody that volunteered and it took the time to do this and gave gave of themselves i'm happy for that i'd rather see him there than not um but uh, i also noticed he did a, a short version he left out a verse uh mm -hmm. about uh baby at your breast wonders how you managed to feed the rest i'm pretty sure that was left out. It, it, to me it was very quick yeah um, i think so like, he had a, like, a, a certain well, amount of time to do it it was, yeah. like, it was there and gone, and it was like, you know, to me, uh, I would say it was 
the word I was using was kind of unmemorable. It really wasn't anything uh, that, that, you know, stood out to me. Whereas for me, uh, Mick Jagger was <laughs> the highlight. I would, say the, I would say the Stones, but I thought the other guys in there, you know, it was nice they were there, but it was Mick that I was impressed by the most out of the Stones. Uh, and in the show, I also enjoyed Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was know, great. I thought he, I thought he was good, and uh, the tribute that he did to Bill Withers was was really touching, and that was nice. But yeah, mm-hmm. Paul, I, I I don't know. I mean, it was it was pretty like uh, yeah, indifferent to me. Uh, glad he did it. I don't know at this particular point, uh, you know, if he's going to continue to do public performances. I guess he will because it's in his blood for like 60 plus years to perform. Mm-hmm. But uh, I felt a, a little sad by it, and. Uh, that's about all I could say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't crazy about, about the arrangement either. And yeah, I never called Lady Madonna as the song <laughs> he was going to do, but once he introduced it, you know, once he explained it, it did make sense. You know, when, when he mm-hmm. explained uh, about his mother, although, yeah, then as, as you said, Ken, I thought, oh, it's going to be let it be. And then, yeah, mm. but um, yeah, I, I didn't. And then, you know, as we said, you know, as far as his voice, it, it is what it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, also, I think and, and I saw a, a lot of discussion about this on Facebook, as I'm sure you all did. And, you know, a lot of people were criticizing some of the performances. You know, this was all done at home. Everybody was doing this from their houses. This was all pretty, un, with maybe a few exceptions, pretty unpolished. And and I think hmm. it was supposed to be. This was called at home. <laughs> and everybody yeah, right. was, yeah, and this was at home. And everybody was doing stripped down versions because they had to. Uh, a lot of this was done. Of course, uh, via you know, I, probably some of it was Zoom, some of it was um, you know, other I don't know, Skype, whatever it was. Uh, so you know, it wasn't going to be perfect. These were not mm. going to be perfect performances, and I think the the thought behind this was definitely noble. Um, you yep. know, and I'm and I'm I'm glad they did it. So you know, was this one of Paul's absolute best performances? No, but um, you know, I'm certainly glad that that he did it um you know um i agree with you mick jagger blew me away he sounded exactly <laughs> like he did in the 60s i mean i i watched that whole performance with my mouth hanging open i mean i just couldn't uh-huh. i couldn't yeah, I believe could. it I, and i was i was, ama- I was amazed incredible. but then you gotta i mean you just we've gotta realize that his vocals throughout his stones career is nowhere near as challenging as paul's vocals exactly. Exactly. Know the exactly. but the, you know the the, the where when's wise doesn't yeah. change the fact of like how it sounded you know yeah, I, mean, I know right. why Paul doesn't sound uh, you know it didn't sound as good as Mick there yeah I, I mean know Mick- some, some, there were some comments that were uh, online I know social media people were saying look you know everybody gets a free pass there because they're doing a good thing they're doing a good deed and uh, you know you can't criticize anybody and you know like I said at the beginning I commend everybody but I still yeah. think there's room to say okay now this person was really good this person was yeah. okay this one was mm. different bet you know mm-hmm. you can still say that even though they all deserve credit yeah well yeah. and it was so good to see stevie wonder and and yeah. you know and a number i mean you know and i'm sure this will shock you ken that i i really uh enjoyed his performance when he oh, and yeah. i loved loved yeah. uh hearing him do lean on me and then when he started going in which starts yeah. in good morning even in friends oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was the highlight for me that's such a wonderful song oh think, my gosh yeah 
Stevie stole the show for me. I mean, and I he was, was wonderful. I was shocked. No Stevie, Paul, Elton John. Yeah. They were all done yeah. in the first half hour. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was surprised. These big names that you thought they would hold off to the very end. Right. But, you know, I think in this particular case, the cause was what was the most important, more important than the performances. I did like the, the off-the-cuff appearance of everything. Very mm -hmm. loose, you know, and um, say what you will about Paul's voice. No, it's not what it used to be. I get tired of every single time Paul makes an appearance performing. You get mixed reactions on social media. He should give it up. His voice is not what it used to be. And then there are people who applaud him because he keeps on continuing because it's what he loves to do. And he knows that so many people around the world want him to continue and want to see him live. And it's in his blood. As you said, Joe, he's going to be doing this till he can't do it anymore. And I applaud him for that. I kind of like this rendition of Lady Madonna. No, I don't love it more than the original arrangement, but it's different. He did something different. And like I said, the cause is more important. And, you know, I also get tired of hearing Mick Jagger sounded better than Paul. Ringo these days sounds better than Paul. You, you, you give Ringo or Mick Jagger a three-hour concert to do and have them do Paul songs and see how they sound. You know, this is a one-off thing, one song. No, Paul didn't sound great, but his songs are more vocally demanding overall. Although Lady Madonna normally is in a lower range anyway. Right. But he, he, was, he was singing higher notes towards the end. Yeah. You know, I like that he was doing a little improv there with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, I liked it. I'm just glad he did it. Like yep, I said, exactly. the cause is what matters. And there are a lot of other good performances, too, that I liked yep. a lot. Keith Urban was great. Billie Eilish I liked. Sean yeah. Mendez. A lot of that stuff. Yep. I thought they were pretty good performances. Okay. Other news here. Uh, last Friday was the 50th anniversary of the release of Paul's first solo album, McCartney. And to celebrate on YouTube, they premiered the video Now in HD for Maybe I'm Amazed at 10 a.m. And yep. then at 12 noon, Spotify played the entire album along with the bonus cuts that are on the remastered album from the archival releases. Any of you watched the, the new video? It's great. It's yeah, great. I haven't yet. You know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks just as good as uh, the, uh, you know, wonderful Christmas time that they did in late, you know, last December. Mm. I mean, it's the original, and, uh, the original yeah. promo, right? Just high yeah, yeah, it's the original right. promo and, and, and yeah, in and, and def high definition and, you know, it, it looks spectacular. The colors really pop and, you know, the images are, are great and uh, in, in that video. And so I'm really glad that uh, they, they, you know, transferred into, you know, a high death quality um, mm. video because, you know, it looks great. You know, well, you if know, you say it's better, if it's as good as Wonderful Christmas Time, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. And it would just be great that uh, if, if they if they end up doing that for all of them, and then we can get a you know a Blu-ray or edition of the McCartney years, get an upgrade, you know, and uh, okay, you know, I'd be into that. Hopeful, yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Yeah. If anything, though, it made me really appreciate the video even more because of the simple approach. This mm. entire video yeah. is just slide photos, as yeah. simple as can be, of that time, of Paul and Linda and Mary. And I never realized, because I hadn't watched the video for a while, how many photos of Heather. The photos of them on the boat and you know, Heather's in, in Paul's yeah. arms are, just, yeah. are, are, are really moving. 
It's very endearing, you know. Yeah, uh, very so effective, it, very effective, simple and effective for that yeah. song. Very, very, very appropriate. It's Absolutely. a great snapshot of that time. And yeah, and as as for Spotify, I I got the the set right here. I don't need Spotify. I know, but it's just the <laughs> fact that they acknowledged it. You know, it's still nice. Um, also, more news on Paul. He was on Howard Stern's show on April the 14th on Sirius XM. He criticized Chinese wet markets for their health risk amid the ongoing pandemic. Along with that, he also praised the community spirit that has emerged because of the pandemic. He says a lot of people are pulling together, and it's a great thing. It is inspiring. Other things he discussed were how quickly the Beatles worked in the studio, often recording two songs in a session and then two songs in another session in the same day. Also, it got a lot of media attention. Paul saying that the Beatles were a better band than the Rolling Stones. Yeah. What a shock. <laughs> Up until Saturday night. Just having fun. The, the, the Beatles didn't perform on Saturday night. Yeah, <laughs> true, <that's> true. true. <laughs> He also he also said that he's very excited about the Peter Jackson film. He did kind of hint he doesn't know when exactly it's coming out, even though we were given that September 4th date for the theatrical release. Um, yeah. And ironically, <clears throat> not one mention of the One World broadcast that was supposed yeah, to right, happen. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. So, any of you listen to the Howard Stern interview? Oh, yes, yeah. I, I heard I'm it after the, after, the, after the fact. Uh, I heard it. it, was, it I did a video on it, you know, just recapping it. Yeah. And uh, it, it was it was an interesting interview, and you know, you covered all the bases pretty much. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what he talked about, and um, yeah, I thought it was I pretty liked, good. Yeah, I liked how he talked about how the '80s wasn't his thing. Not necessarily <laughs> meaning his music, but yeah. the '80s decade in general. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought that to be, I found that to be pretty interesting. Yeah. But it wasn't your usual run of the mill. I mean, at first I wasn't going to listen to it because Howard seems to, from time to time, ask him the same questions. Right. right. Um, but uh, but I'm glad I listened to it. it. It was entertaining for sure. But, you know, Howard Howard's a big fan, but as typical yeah. for so many of them, he doesn't want to venture past 69, right. <laughs> yeah. 70, you know, yep. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Mm -hmm. It's sad, you know. But I did find that interesting, like you were saying, Tom. Uh, Howard uh, asked him if he was affected by, you know, the changes in Van Halen. Like, right. where did that come from? Of all the things to ask Paul McCartney, but uh, it was yeah, know, give him props for something asking him something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Paul said that he's basically a '60s and '70s guy. Right. You know, he likes to listen to Dylan, Neil Young. He mentioned a few times. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's so, what surprised me. Yeah. Hmm. But it was a good interview. Mm -hmm. um, more news, and we have sad news to report on the passing of Terry Doran. Doran, I'm sorry. A former business associate of the Beatles and later manager of the band Grapefruit. With the Beatles manager, Brian Epstein, he co-owned Brydor Cars, which supplied sports cars to many figures in the swinging London uh, era, including members of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Before that, Terry worked for Hawthorne Motors, a car dealership in Warrington, and sold the first car owned by a member of the Beatles, a blue Ford Anglia, to George Harrison. And Mike McCartney, Paul's brother, took a photo of George and the Beatles posing with the car, which was used in an ad. Terry later supplied the band with an eight-seater Ford Thames van, which Nems purchased on the group's behalf in 1962. 
Duran managed the Beatles' uh, Apple Publishing in the late 1960s and even was the manager for Apple recording artist Mary Hawken. Following the Beatles' break, there's even more here. Following the Beatles' break in 1970, he worked as the estate manager at George Harrison's Friar Park property and managed Harrison's London office of Dark Horse Records. He is often cited as the inspiration behind the line, meeting a man from the motor trade, although Paul McCartney himself has denied that story. (laughs) And uh, with special thanks to one of our listeners, Tom Brennan, who had contacted Bill Elliott uh, from the band Splinter that recorded for George's Dark Horse Records. Duran traveled with Splinter on their November 1975 U.S. tour. Bill is quoted as saying he was one of the most cool, laid-back guys I had ever met, and it was a pleasure to travel with him in America. Terry was born in 1936, don't have his exact birthday, so he was either 83 or 84. Also, uh, the BBC reports that both Paul McCartney and Emma Thompson will be contributing what they call love letters in a new charity book for the NHS, that's the National Health Service in the UK, titled Dear NHS, 100 Stories to Say Thank You. The book will raise money to NHS Charities Together and the Lullaby Trust. The idea was conceived only a week ago, but curator Adam Kay is blown away by the number of high-profile celebrities who have offered contributions for the book, which is expected to come out July the 9th. All right, some, uh, some events happening. Lawrence Juber, as you know, has been treating us to live mini concerts from his Facebook page. It happens every day at uh, 4.30 Eastern time. And on Saturday, I hope you caught this, it was yeah. an extra special treat because he played only songs from Back to the Egg. It was Very a great cool. show. Yeah. Great show. Loved it. He even did yeah. some singing. And he even <laughs> did some uh, explaining with the whole salamander thing. Right. Yeah. You know, which. I have to watch it, the replay. Yeah. yeah. He did that at the fest, too. I he, just, he mentioned that when he did it, right. when he did it uh, at the fest. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the explanation right. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved when he did Arrow Through Me. That was it's, uh, yeah, it's in Webster's. It's in Webster's Dictionary, Salamander. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Don't let us I know what it means. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, I get the feeling room. it was like fire embers, that yeah. kind of an explanation. Yeah. Not the reptile. Right. Okay. Also, another friend of ours in the Beatle community, Jeff Slate, gives a free streaming concert from his Facebook and Instagram page every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. It's a mixture of requests of classic rock tunes. And Jeff is known for doing tributes to John Lennon, George Harrison, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, and David Bowie. He also has original songs, too, that he plays. And he takes donations that go to Meals of Gratitude that gives meals to frontline healthcare providers and support staff. And also our good friend, Ken Womack, and producer of the series, Deconstructing the Beatles, Scott Freeman, will be doing an online show this coming Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern called Abbey Roadshow, originally due to appear at the 92Y before the pandemic hit us. It's now going to be a streaming event that will include rare outtakes from uh, the Abbey Road album, plus exclusive audio clips. And it's a definitive account of the writing, recording, mixing, and reception with a deep dive into the composition and production techniques of the album. If you want more information, you can go to this website, which is 92y.org slash event. Okay. Hmm. 
One last item, as many of you know, with uh, most of us being stuck inside for many weeks now, lots of music fans have posted their quarantine set list of songs to play. And the one most obvious song, at least I think so in the Beatle catalog, would have to be John's song, Isolation. Mm. So uh, Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck have recorded a brand new version of the song which you can now listen to online on YouTube. And in fact, they have performed the song live together. You can catch live performances on YouTube of them doing the song. And they do have plans of making an album together. Oh, cool. Johnny oh. Depp does the singing. Mm. Very, very bluesy performance of the song. And great about, guitar work. How about Stuck Inside a Cloud to be a part of that set list? Mm. Stuck inside well, actually, Keep Undercover. Yeah, that too. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Nice. Walls. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Very good. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels are turning. The wheels are turning. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching them. Yeah. Oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. All right. Too corny here. <laughs> so that's all the news. That's the news. Oh. Listen, uh, good, thanks, good job, Ken. But I got to tell you, I'm not the most observant guy in the world. But as you were doing the news, I started to notice: is that a window I see over there, uh, your with curtains? Because yes. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking something's different, and I'm like, there's not. It, the boxes aren't there. It looks wonderful. From a window, very noticeable, doesn't it? From a window. That's a good thing. That's a fantastic. Uh, that's great. Okay. From yeah. a window. Oh, well, anyway. well, now right. someone. Yeah. <laughs> As you can imagine, imagine. Um, <laughs> I've had some free time lately, <laughs> oh, yeah. so oh. I've been doing some cleaning up. It's been cleanup time in the Michael's <laughs> household, and uh, yes, I've I've uh, moved those boxes. They're over she here might, now. Yeah. Looks good. She might be able to come through that window now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Boy, we go on forever with this stuff. Wind, wind the next to the bathroom. Window. Yeah, window very window. good. <laughs> okay. Um, uh. All right. So I guess with that, we'll go to our topic. Uh, talking about, again, April the 10th, 1970, 50 years ago, as of 10 days ago, as we record this on the 20th. Uh, Paul McCartney uh, released a press statement Q&A uh, I think Peter Brown was it said yes. later on that he he actually did the questions himself Paul we didn't know uh, well was, some some have said Derek Taylor has helped him with that but from what my understanding it was just um, uh, Peter Brown yeah so um, you know there was a lot of questions there about uh, you know whether or not the Beatles are still functioning as a unit and everything else and you know, it went on the Daily uh, Mirror headline from this. Somebody leaked out and stuff it, it, that it was said, Paul is making the decision to quit the Beatles. And it's always been, uh, you know, aimed at him that he's the one that kind of uh, did this. But it is true that nowhere really in there do you really hear definitely saying, yeah, it's over. It's finished. You know, I'm, we're, mm -hmm. we're done. You know, Um even I used to think that that was the case. You know, I even made a video on it recently and uh, was talking that way more or less because I think it, even though it didn't come out and really say, you know, you know, I'm leaving for sure and it's over, I think maybe that's where he might have been going. But we can just talk amongst ourselves one at a time, you know, and then 
other people can chime in, and we can figure out well, what, what, what do you think, you know. Now, there was a quote by John uh, around the time where he said, is this going to be a death or a rebirth? And I think he said, it could, you know, it could, maybe it's a rebirth. I think it'll be a rebirth or something like that. And how exactly did he mean that? So, I think we'll start with Tom this time. Ooh. And, uh, Tom, what do you think of all this? What's your feelings on a breakup and how it went down and everything? Yeah, well, thank you, Joe. Well, you know, being, what, 14, 15 years old when I, in you know, in the mid-80s, mid to late 80s, and, you know, learning about that um, at first, you know, I mean, when growing up, it was all Yoko this, Yoko that, Yoko this. And then now, you know, as, as the years have gone by and um, and I, the more research that I've done and the more that stuff that, that we're still learning about yeah. this, um, you know, you you come to understand that maybe it was supposed to happen this should have happened this breakup should have happened to get that rebirth that john was talking about perhaps um you know at first you know i would imagine if you were a fan since 62 or or, or earlier and your in your whole life was the beatles at that point in time yeah that april 10th was probably a very sad day almost as bad as a you know a relative passing maybe you never know but um it for me personally i see it i looked at it now as you know look at all the great music that we've gotten over the last 50 years mm-hmm. um especially if you're a fan of the solo stuff like like we all are and um you know would the quality of music uh, of the beatles if they had continued would that would that have continued to grow uh would they continue to be leaders in 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 the field uh would they keep being inspirational um you know you never know i mean the pressure to can continue doing what they they were doing had to have just been so high that it, it you know from time to time you'd have to expect them to kind of like stumble a little bit like they had with maybe magical mystery tour or, or maybe the let it be movie you know just just opinions anyways mm-hmm. but i mean as i look at it now i think it was necessary um when once the soon especially when you listen about listen or or, or read um about uh, you know all the all the dealings on with with management um with uh, with the uh, rumblings between the two with marriages you know kids coming into the picture you know interests are are starting to you know um go into different uh directions so i look at it as it was a as a necessity uh it had to happen and i'm fine i'm i'm totally fine with it i'm inclined to agree uh uh what do you guys think uh kit well i yeah i tend to agree with tom now and and you know i'll be interested to hear uh uh, those in the who are watching right now and and watching the replay and everything, those of you who were our first generation fans, I know you're as Tom said, you're going to have a completely different uh, experience. Um, but yeah, as a second generation fan, um, yeah, I mean when you when we have the benefit of hindsight, um, <laughs> reading the whole story, learning about. The the whole story it was sort of it was inevitable i think i mean when you even if you put all the business differences aside and that was a lot i mean that was a huge contributor to the breakup no question uh the alan klein stuff uh that was enormous but you know but you also look though where they were going creatively um and and personally i mean they were all you know they were 
leading different lives. I mean, they were all, as you said, getting married, having kids. Uh, they weren't the same people that they were when right. they first got together. Um, you know, they, they were in completely different spa uh, places. You know, George Harrison was, was budding as his own artist. I mean, he right. was really coming into his own. You know, he wasn't the little kind of kid brother anymore. Um, you know, he needed, I think, to go out on his own. And, and boy, did he prove that when All Things mm -hmm. Must Pass came out. I mean, wow. So, you know, that was going on. John was going in a different direction creatively. I mean, Plastic Ono Band, yep. when that came out, that was completely different than what the Beatles were doing. I don't know if, if you know, he could have produced an album like that. Uh, with the Beatles. Um, and, you know, Paul was, was having his own issues, uh, you know, with what he wanted to do. So I think, you know, creatively they, they were ready. I think they were ready to, to just go out and, and do their own thing. And I, maybe they would have been kind of creative, creatively stifled had they stayed together. Yeah. And who knows, you know, if they had tried to, to stay together, who knows what they, if they could have kept up with, you know, could they have topped Abbey Road? I don't know. I mean, that's pretty damn could they, hard. Could they, have, could they have competed with the music of the 70s? Could they have competed with disco? You right. Know, could, you know, could they have competed they with the, the different genres? Well, as separate as, as solo artists. Right. Yeah. Would there even yeah. have been a disco yeah. if the Beatles was still... Uh, well, that's, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's kind of a, yeah, that's an interesting question. And yes. so, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but it's, but, you know, you just think, I think they, in a way, they did the right thing going out on top, because mm -hmm. I, I just think, you know, to then, if they had put out some, you know, albums that would have in any way tarnished that legacy, I, I just don't know. But, but mainly, I, I just think that, they were ready to do their own thing. And I think that the creative directions they were going in, I just don't know if they could have done it together. So, right. so those, those are, those are my two cents. I know a lot of times, uh, you know, some diehard fans, usually the fans that don't really venture too much into the solo career or don't go past 73 or four, they usually will say, well, I think the Beatles could have stayed together and made albums to at least 73. 74 you know because they had such strong stuff but i always wonder you know would those songs as great as some of those solo songs are still sound the same and as good i mean with would instant karma be quite as good if it was a full beatles song or it don't come easy or photograph or all the songs and all things must pass you know what makes them what they are is i guess how we've come to know them right and that we love them but what would it be like if it had been the four beatles i mean beatles were great together put them mm -hmm. together you know the four of them together it's magic but mm -hmm. i like a lot of those early songs the way uh, solo songs the way they are anyway you know? right right would yep. they have been able to i mean because you know we know what september 30th, you know, we know that they were planning on doing, uh, you know, working on the next album after Abbey Road and, and how they were going to do it with four songs for John, four for George, four for Paul, you know, and two for Ringo. Would that formula, could that have worked, you know, with all, even with all the material they were still all bringing in, would that, would that have satisfied each ego enough to continue? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, good point. Well I guess uh, so. Now uh, we'll go to Ken, and Ken, I'm really excited to hear your uh, full thoughts on this. I saved it for last because I know it's going to be good. So. Well, you guys stole everything that I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to go after you. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, really, you made so many great points there. And just what you said just now, Joe, there are so many people who assume that had the Beatles continued together, that the songs that they put out on their solo records would have been better as Beatle recordings. And that's ridiculous. You know, it really is. There's no doubt about the magic that the Beatles had when they were together. But they were growing apart musically. I could hear Ringo being on every solo album, you know, for the mm-hmm. others. Because, you know, Ringo is so easygoing. You know, he could fit in doing anything. But I can't really hear Paul and George backing up John on the Plastic Ono Band album on those songs. Those songs work because of the rawness and the intensity of that lineup and the way that it was produced. You know, I think it would have lost something if it was a full band like the Beatles. It would have taken out the rough edges of, a, of an album like that. I can't hear John and Paul backing up George on All Things Must Pass on the songs on there, the spiritual side of George. You know, even though there were those few in the Beatle years, like Within You, Without You, and George was the only Beatle on that one, actually. But um, no, it, it's kind of wrong to assume that those songs would have been better had the Beatles done them. You know, somebody said on Facebook, oh, if the Beatles did Jealous Guy, it would have come out better. I love Jealous Guy the way it is. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine I it being any more perfect. Yeah. Than Plus, the they worked it, on that yeah. song. They worked on that song yeah. already as, a, yeah. as the Beatles. Yeah. But when it was put in, you know, the road to Rishikesh, I don't think, was going to be any better than how Jealous Guy ended up. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and maybe I'm amazed. I've heard people say, gee, if the Beatles did that one, What's wrong with the way that Paul put it well, out? First of all, that, even yeah. that song itself is, is about the frustration and the, and the upsetment and confusion that he's feeling because right. of what they're going through. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it could be as appropriate if they were still together. Yeah, yeah I can't see weird. all of them. Yeah, I can't see all of them working on "Isn't It a Pity." You know, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Or or, yeah. or, or "Run or of the Wawa. Mill." Or oh, yeah, Wawa. Wawa, Wawa, yeah, "Run of the Mill." Really inappropriate. You know. Yeah, so that'd be kind of revenge for George. You, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really, you really think Paul's gonna play bass on "How Do You Sleep"? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think we would have God. No, God, where he doesn't believe in Beatles either. Yeah. yeah. But I just remember at that time, I remember hearing about it. I was ten years old. Okay. When, uh, when the news came out about it, and you know, I just. I know if I was older, I would have felt it more. But mm-hmm. even though I grew up as a little kid hearing all the Beatles music and loving it and getting all the albums and getting all the songs and devouring that catalog, I never felt that big a loss because at the beginning, beginning of the year, we had Instant Karma. Mm-hmm. Right before this, Sentimental Journey. As this was happening, the McCartney album. I knew Let It Be was right around the corner. You know, later on in the year, you had Bukus of Blues, Plastic on All Band, All Things Must Pass. We had all this new music hitting us. You know, I didn't feel as if the Beatles stopped making music, that would have been a loss. But they gave us so much more breaking up. You mm. got so much more music out of them than you would have had had they stayed together and kept with that format. And I always remember it, it's my favorite interview from anybody what uh, John Lennon had said in 1971 to David Wigg that the reason why the Beatles broke up was because they had to, uh, they had to stick to a certain formula and uh, that's what caused trouble. It wasn't fair that George Harrison always got two songs per album, certainly towards the end when he was 
ready to bust out. You know, you think about the Get Back Let It Be sessions and what comes out on Let It Be, the album For You Blue and I Me Mine, when he's got right. all these other songs that make all things must pass. Why couldn't they do those songs? I could understand Wawa. <laughs> too, many, <laughs> too, many, uh, too many, too many chords, as John once said. Yeah. You know, I also don't think that um, it's fair that Ringo get one song per album, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that it sounds crazy because I love the Beatles to death, the greatest band of all time. If I had a choice between four solo albums a year or one Beatles album a year, I'd rather have four solo albums because there's so much more music. And I enjoy the solo music every bit as much as the Beatles. It isn't a question of what's better. It's just I just genuinely enjoy the music. You yeah, know? I think that's and, a good point. I think that's a really good point. You know, yeah. and um, there's a lot of solo Beatle albums that I like just as much, if not more, than certain Beatle albums. Right. I can listen to All Things Must Pass and Living in the Material World, Flowers in the Dirt, you know, press to play. <laughs> you know, there's so many of them. Only Love Remains. Yeah, yes. yeah. yes. But, uh, I can listen to those albums with the same kind of regularity. In fact, I listen to the solo music more than the Beatles music. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's never been a question of making comparisons because if you compare everything there is to the Beatles, you might as well not listen to anything else. Mm-hmm. There's so much more great music out there to explore. And the four Beatles went and had, that's another thing, the most successful solo careers of all time, which is something mm-hmm. that isn't said enough. And I think it's probably one of the most extraordinary accomplishments that any band has ever done. And yes, it's true. The Beatles were so great together. The most influential band of all time, not just the most commercially successful, but the fact that all four of them had successful careers in terms of hit singles and hit albums. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that we take for granted. And a lot of people overlook it. They really do. You know, we, we did a show here on myth busting. And yeah. one of the things that I, I didn't bring up is that they always say, well, Ringo was the most successful Beatle in the first half of the 70s. And there's no doubt about it. He had a string of seven top 10 singles uh, from 1971 to 75. Uh, Paul was always the most successful. But, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people put that out there and people buy it and they believe it. But still, it's very impressive what Ringo did with seven top tens and two number one singles and two top ten albums. But in terms of actual record sales, he was the least successful of the four of them overall. But who in their right mind wouldn't want to have seven top ten singles and two yeah. top ten albums? Right. Uh, and like I said, he was the least successful. But would it be yeah. fair to say that... Uh, Ringo and George were first out of the gate, really, if not, if not the most, but were out of the gate were impressive right, right away. Well, certainly George with all things must pass. Yeah. yeah. That just floored everybody. My sweet Lord. Yeah. yeah. And what his life was also a top 10 hit. No doubt yeah. about it. But Paul always had the hits from another day. If you're just talking about the first five years, he had more hits still than Ringo. Mm. And more number ones than Ringo. I'm not putting Ringo down. Ringo, like I said, who wouldn't want to have what Ringo had? Well, do you know uh, the uh, supposedly the telegram that John sent to Ringo saying, "Congratulations! Oh, yeah. How dare you? And please write me a hit record." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Something like that. I love that. Um, I, well, I wanted to say um, 
I don't have much experience. I was alive when they broke up. I was just a few days shy of my uh, eighth birthday, so I was eight, and I always liked the Beatles uh, when I was a boy. Um, and I, I, all I really remember is uh, at times maybe I would discuss the Beatles or bring them up to adults, and they would say, oh, the Beatles broke up. You say they broke up. They don't play together anymore. I seem to remember that, and I'm like, I didn't really understand the whole thing. Uh, I remember hearing that quite a bit. The Beatles broke up. They broke up. Uh, finally, realized what was happening. Uh, I have memories of my earliest memories of of the solo stuff. Probably around. Well, I remember My Sweet Lord very clearly. I had that record, and I also remember hearing Uncle Albert, which I love. I love mm. then and now. Sitting on the stoop on a summer's day, listening to AM radio as a nine-year-old and hearing Uncle Albert and loving that, and it don't come easy. So I was, I started to get a real feel for the, the solo stuff. Uh, as far as whether the Beatles breakup was a, a dark day or a bad thing, and I, I think I'm kind of in sync with what Tom said in the beginning here. You know, I mean, for fans, you know, real veterans, ones that followed them from the very beginning. If if you were in England and you went to the Cavern and uh, or, you know, whether you're from America or England or anywhere in the world, you follow their careers all the way. I mean, it is a, a sad thing to see it come to an end, regardless. I mean, any which way, it's not really a, a pleasant thing. It's an unhappy thing. But, you know, um, you're talking about having different avenues to explore. I grew up mostly after, you know, I really became aware mostly after the Beatles. So, you have great Beatle music, then you have four avenues that splits, and you have all this wealth of material from four different artists, like what right. Ken was, was saying. So I, I kind of, I think it's a, a good thing in retrospect. I definitely think it had to be. Uh, I think they really, if they had gone on any longer, I don't think it would have been possible for them to continue to astound everybody all the time. I think it's pretty amazing that music-wise, they always did top stuff. They never really fell on their faces. Oh, yeah, like Magical Mystery Tour as a, you know, a television special didn't get great raves at the time, but that's just a little stumbling, very small quibbles thing that happened to them. But otherwise they always scored tops. Uh, I think eventually if they'd carried on, they would have had an album like Dirty Work by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> I, you know, something that's not well received. Is what I'm saying. Whether you like dirty work out there or not, I, I'm just saying. Uh, they had to have, eventually, you, you can't be doing that forever. You know, John used to say that too. You, know, you can't you expect this to be, you know, always on the top, uh, astounding people indefinitely. So that's why I'm kind of glad they kind of ended on a high note. It's a perfect legacy. You know, it's like pretty flawless. And um, I like the outcome, <laughs> especially with hindsight. I don't. I don't think if I had been, you know, seventeen, eighteen, or something, and I'd grown up with it all along, I would have been really probably uh, sad too. But I, I didn't. I didn't grow up then, so I'm okay with it. Yep. Yeah. There's some great comments here. I just uh, just want to throw in that uh, people are saying really great. Um, yeah, John Maley said I would have never 
gotten wings, so I'm happy. So that's that's true. Uh, yeah, there would have been no wings, and uh, wings was <laughs> I sure you'd like that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, wings was a great group. I mean, no question. They they did some wonderful. Uh, you know, it's a, a lot of hits, and they're great, sure. great stuff. And and of course, the tour. I mean, those tours, particularly. Uh, you know, the, the mid-70s, and I mean, you know, no question. Uh, my buddy Tom Green brings up a point that that uh, I think has gotten a lot, what, what I call the genesis argument, which is uh, couldn't they have just done side projects and, and solo stuff but stayed together? So what do, what do you guys, what do you think about that? You know, even though the Beatles, uh, like George, had Wonderwall music and a, yeah, they were still no, kind of doing that. Mm -hmm. But as far as like pop albums, that was still unheard of to have both mm. careers going on simultaneously. You know, and uh, later on, certain bands like Fleetwood Mac had success with that, or the Eagles, Genesis. You know, but it also complicates things. It's hard yeah. on an artist to be in a band and have a solo career at the same time how do you juggle that you know it's, um... it's that's funny because you know i have that genesis documentary that came out a few years ago and tony banks likes to uh argue that it would have been nice if phil collins would have brought in the air tonight instead of using it for a solo, solo career <laughs> <laughs> but then phil will argue no i did bring it in you know and he just doesn't remember it you know so i would see a lot of that going on if if, if that was the case right yeah. Imagine some of these artists when they tour and they have to question what belongs in my solo show and what belongs in the group show. Right. Can I put solo numbers in the group concert? You know, right. It gets kind of complicated. It does. Plus, so, I don't yeah, think John yeah. and George were that motivated to do something like that. We know Paul probably would have been motivated. No, to yeah. do the thing is, like it's that. funny because mm -hmm. um, I know, uh, you know, Ken, you were talking about the David Wig interview. There's a real yeah. quick bit in there where John says, well, I suppose we could have worked together. And, and then he gets, right. right at that point, it gets like uh, cut off. There were, another thought comes in, but, you know, he got, he got distracted. But he was starting to say that. And, and, and I seem to remember something with George saying that at the time. Is there is there are there clips a clip from George talking about that audio wise during the get back stuff that maybe they could do that yeah they could... well, he, there's a, an interview that George gave in uh, in 1970 in May to Howard Smith at WABC and WPLJ where he's kind of talking about maybe you know doing solo projects and maybe you know get that out of the way. And then you also have the Beatles projects too. And he also mm -hmm. said in that very same interview that it would be selfish for the Beatles to break up. Yeah. So this is actually oh, after Paul's right. announcement. Right, but before all the lawsuits as well. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, it, it's such a complicated thing. And the more you mm -hmm. learn, the more you're fascinated, the yes. more you bury yourself into it. And then, you, you know, once you apply even though it wasn't really news about the, the meeting that the Beatles had to have another album after Abbey Road, and it would be more balanced with four songs each with John, Paul, and George. The mere thought that they were even considering that, you know, tells you something that maybe they wanted to go on longer. And yeah, even yeah. though, you know, uh, even though Paul said what he did for George to come out after that statement and say what he did, maybe they all felt that they were still in limbo. Because right. at, well, at any given time, it all really came down to John. 
yeah. and if John really wanted to do it. John would have right. to initiate the reunion. Right. So, so. With, the, with so with that question or with that question and answer, then that Paul gave with promotional copies of McCartney. I mean, the one that strikes me the most is is the question: Is your break with the Beatles temporary or permanent? Hmm. Due to the personal differences or musical ones. Answer: Personal differences, uh, business differences, musical business or differences, but most of all because I have a better time with my family. Uh, temporary or permanent? In as a question. I don't really know. Right. So that right there just tells you that, yeah. you know, maybe there still is a chance. Mm. Yeah. Which, and I think, well, and again, I think we all tend to remember that interview. I know I did until I went back and, you know, reread it uh, for, for to prepare for our show that, yeah, we tend to remember it as that was his announcement that he was breaking up with the Beatles. You know, but yeah. And right. yeah, when you go back and look at it, you, you, and then, yeah, you read that part and you think, Oh yeah, actually right. he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, right. he, I mean, he, he was certainly uh, announcing a temporary break, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, he didn't say that's it. We're done. But and, at the same time, he can come across being very cold. Yes. In this interview with oh, these one word sure. answers of no, yeah. You know, right. The question, do you foresee a time when Lennon-McCartney becomes an active songwriting partnership again? No. That's it. Right. That's, no. That's, that's well, pretty, you know, that's I, I wouldn't be surprised if he felt like he was getting the cold shoulder himself. I mean, here he is getting ready for his solo career, and he's being, you know, pretty much begged not to, or told not, you cannot release this, you know, as, you know, mm -hmm. right around the same time, you know, postpone it until the summertime. You All know, I'm saying is that it, is, it appears know. to be cold to the public yeah. when you read yeah, it like okay. that. Oh, for sure. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah, enough. I, think, I think it does come across as cold. Not that I blame Paul, but at that time, he was kind of at the mm. end of his rope, too. Right. But that leads me into, like, something else I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just before, you know, didn't Paul call John and say, you know, I'm doing what you and Yoko are doing, and I'm releasing the, uh, an album or something like that? Uh What's the history of that? Do you guys know? I, mean, I remember something like that. I'm, I'm doing what you were doing, and I'm, I'm doing an album, too, or something. Leaving well, the group. John pretty much said, well, I'm glad that you, like, you know, you agreed or you came to your senses, and I'm proud of you for taking that step, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but John was upset that Paul used it as a way to publicize the new album. Yeah, that's you know? the other yeah, thing that was... I always, and, I, and Tom maybe could set me straight on this if I'm wrong. I don't know, but we were talking a little about this off, you know, the other yeah. day. The thing is, I always thought, and I made a video on this for the anniversary, and I said, and maybe, maybe wrong-headed, not really sure, but I always felt that, you know, John said he was going to leave the Beatles. It was like a divorce, you know, and all that kind of stuff in September of 69 after the peace in Toronto. Life Peace mm -hmm. in Toronto show. Right. And, you know, a Klein, and I, I would guess Paul, too, were like, you know, don't say anything. You know, don't. Right. Well, that was Klein. Quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I think Paul, didn't Paul agree to that? I want him to be quiet, too. Yeah. I, I mean, he fine. agreed to that as well. But, I mean, after that, con after the, the contract negotiations finalized, you know, you got that from September, which I believe happened that day. Uh, it was finalized when when John had that meeting, uh, if I'm correct. I mean, if I'm not, you know, please let me know if anybody else knows. But I mean, so then you have September all the way till April. You know, that's plenty of time. Those contracts now are now done in the books. The week before, um, I think they finalized the one with the EMI. You know, so now all they had to do was was concentrate on the capital one that got done. You know, so then now why can't John take that opportunity to say, hey, look, okay, this is this is the situation, hmm. and and 
you know, and take it for what it's take it for what it is. At yeah, some so point, that, that's, that's what I wanted to, to um, check on exactly because I wasn't clear on whether or not it was. Could you just keep your big mouth shut until <laughs> the papers <laughs> are are done, till the contract's done, or? But that's the, again, the ag the but again, how long should Paul wait? Right. Well, he wanted the John Beatles. Feels... He's the only one of the four of them that was keen exactly. to keep it going. Yeah. So he's the one. Exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm why, leaving. Why does he have to wait to release stuff when John is releasing stuff nonstop? But he I mean, he's releasing, he's releasing yeah. three singles. He's releasing a live album. He's releasing three um, experimental albums yes. with Yoko. Yeah. No, why does Paul have to wait? Because none of them are with a self-written interview that I'm leaving the Beatles. He yeah. just kept doing it on the side like we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, he was the one that should have said, I'm leaving the Beatles and I'm doing this. But he yeah. kept quite to do them a favor, I thought. Uh, and then Paul turns around and he's like, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm the one. Even though I was the one who was fighting to keep us all together, I'm the one that really wants out. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. But, Tom, as you say, if, yeah. it, if I'm wrong, and it was just about the, the contract, like, you know, could you keep it? low key till we just finish this it says yeah um yeah. Uh, a viewer uh jeremy says klein told paul and john to both shut up about it due to the new capital deal, Ca well, ca capital correct. deal. yeah <laughs> but what did you want to say ken yeah what did you want to say just that you know the normal course when you release a new album is you give interviews and you promote it and paul didn't want to give interviews this was his way of he has a q a he answers the questions that are on people's minds gets that out of the way, and that's how he handled it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I look at him doing this as if you love something or someone, you set it free. If it comes back, <laughs> then it was meant to be. Sounds like a good song. Yeah. <laughs> I think somebody sang something like that before. <laughs> I mean, that's how I look at it now. I mean, we and in hindsight, we see that he was the one that wanted the Beatles continue. He's the one that wanted... Uh, them to you know to go back to doing live stuff. He's the one that we need to thank for having the White Album, Abbey Road, and Let It Be. You know, he's the one that you know tried to you know light a bomb up every everybody else's butts to get them motivated. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you know why not do it that, like this? Mm -hmm. But if yeah, you I... think about it, I'm sorry. If you think oh, about no. it, uh, Ringo left the Beatles during the White Album, but he came mm -hmm. back. George yeah. left the Beatles during yeah. Let It Be, but he came yeah. back. For the Beatles to really break up, it had to come down to John or Paul. Yep. Mm. And yeah. John was the one who said he wanted a divorce. It was up to him to initiate if they were ever going to do anything together again. In my personal opinion, if John had asked Paul, Paul would have said yes immediately. He would okay, have done that. that I understand. My, that yeah. I understand. I get that. But it wasn't the case. And right. then so, the, so therefore, how long should he have waited? I mean, how long I'm did saying, he need them? Even you after know. the McCartney album. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They could have gotten back together if they wanted to. You had to yeah. have all four parties agree to it. But like I said, I really believe deep down it had to be John to start it all. Yeah. And maybe John, you know, John for all his bravado and everything, was he could be a little afraid. Like, what, what would life be without the Beatles? You know, can he really walk away even though he mm. came on all inspired by the Toronto gig? To, to do it, he could. He didn't really come right out and announce it afterwards. After the, I guess, after the paperwork was done. Hmm. Uh, well, I guess he could have done it in early '70, right? He could have. Yeah. He could have. He could have. Yeah, he yeah. had every opportunity. He could have done it within Snakarma. Yeah. You know. 
What's interesting, though, is, you know, like you were just uh, saying, Ken, about how, you know, Ringo left the band during the White Album, George left the band, you know, during the Get Back sessions and everything. I mean, you know, it, this whole thing was was just coming to a boil for, yeah. for some right. time. You know, you knew this was going to happen. And I even found, you know, an interview where, where, and I'd seen this before, but I hadn't read this quote in a while, that, you know, John was even saying when they all convinced Paul that they had to stop touring. You know, when they mm. finally said they had enough and that he said, he, then he even thought, is this going to be the end? What do we do now? Right, you right. know, we were so used to touring. And that's when he thought, maybe I ought to start doing something else, which is, you know, when they took time off, he, you know, went off and did the movie Filmed. and, you know, yeah, and that right. kind of stuff. And uh, then, of course, Brian Epstein dies. And, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? Or are we going to, you know, so they, they had these different moments. And then, you know, during Sgt. Pepper, John was starting to kind of disconnect and, you know, all that. And, I mean, it just, you know, you just, when you go back and look at the history, this was all coming to a head eventually. Right. And, you know, uh, yeah, this was meant you know to be. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, when you look back on it, the breakup was, oh, yeah. was just bound to happen. It really yeah, and was. looking back on it, looking back on it, how did this go over everybody's head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, yeah. the Beatle thing is over. It has exploded. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that get missed? How does that not, you know, how does, how do we not hear John or George not saying anything about that? Yeah. You know, that I was mean, in- I, November of '69. Well, it was it was released in November of '69. I think the actual interview no. itself was uh, in late October. Holy cow! Yeah. So okay. you know, how does that get overlooked? You know, the funny thing I I find about this whole article on Paul, it's at the end of the magazine. <laughs> you know, him hit that quote is that uh, is on the last page of the magazine. <laughs> Maybe yeah. people misinterpreted what Paul was saying there. Like it's, it's it, possible. Like, like all the excitement of the Beatles mm-hmm. has is, you know, waning now. Yeah. The Beatles are That's, over. So way you to know, look at it. Yeah. Abby That's Abby possible. wrote it just came out the month before or a month and a half before, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that yep. was number one around the world. So how could yes. how, how could their popularity <laughs> be waning? But that is that is pretty pretty close after if it was October. That's not too long after Joe, uh, John's. I want I want a right. divorce. This uh, is mm-hmm. this was so, his, this was during his depressed uh, his depressed uh, time yeah. or mm. period. Yeah. And you know, uh, I just wanted to get this. And you know, of course, we said that you know George really like wow. You know, he had all this material, and I, that that was his his creative peak. He was really exploding at that time, sixty eight, sixty nine, like that, seventy, like around that era, and uh, that made me think. If I can just backtrack to what we were saying in the news. Remember we were talking about Paul on the Howard Stern show last week? Did you notice Paul also, you know, he covered that a lot too about George uh, really blooming and everything. Mm-hmm. He talked to Howard about that too, about uh, how there was really no room for George on the albums either, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Could I read something here that I brought? Please. Oh, sure. sure. Did you, did you like to bring up the fact that I'm into the charts? Mm-hmm. Um, You're the chart king. i've been following the billboard chart since i was i don't know since 1970 listening to american top 40 with casey Kasem, always rooting for beatles and solo beatles singles and all the all the albums too to do well but for anyone that questions the success of the solo beatles um, what i did was write down how many number one hits they had and how many top 10 hits they had and i did that for their albums too 
this may shock a lot of you, especially people who are new fans who don't realize the success that they now, had here. Now, are you are you going UK and US to get combined, or just you just US? Okay, just US. Okay, okay. Uh, number one records. The Beatles as a group had twenty solo careers, and that includes everything, includes Wings. Um, comes to sixteen. You might not think they had that many. They had 16 number one hits, top 10 hits. The Beatles had 34 as a group. In their solo careers, they had 43. Mm. So they surpassed what the Beatles had as a group. And that's, and even if you say, well, the Beatles were only seven years, yeah, but you have all these other singles that came out, came out after their breakup. Got to Get You Into My Life was a top 10 single in 1976. Mm -hmm. Free as a Bird was a top 10 single in 1995. Right. So that counts too. Uh, the Beatles movie medley was almost a top 10. But those, mm -hmm. those singles all count. Um, albums, number one albums. The Beatles had 19. Solo careers, 13. Top 10 albums, Beatles had 31. Solo careers, 35. Mm. If you count the traveling Wilburys, 36. <laughs> okay. So in both areas, uh, the Beatles as a group rule with number ones and top tens, the solo careers rule. So, but it's so impressive. It just goes to show how yeah. life went on. They did so well on their own. And, um, you know, I'm so impressed with their careers and I'm still impressed with what Paul and Ringo were doing. I think because they all carved out their own identities on their own. Mm -hmm. They have their own individual styles. Nobody in the world sounds like any one of those four guys. They all had hits. They all had big selling albums. Paul is still having, uh, well, he just had a number one album with Egypt Station. So that continues. And that's not counting everything else. That's not counting all the successful tours that Paul has had and Ringo has had especially. And the success that Paul has had on the classical charts. Um, or with the Fireman, uh, or uh, the Traveling Wilburys, and their <laughs> success. Um, there's so many avenues, and, Paul, and uh, George with Handmade Films had a number of successful films there. So there's so many ways of looking at it. Life went on. It didn't just stop, and uh, you know, I just think that it's the most extraordinary thing to be able to say that all four of them emerged on their own and did this well. Yes. Absolutely. And, and as I said before, and as I said before, you know, doing some projects that I don't think they could have done with the Beatles um, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, that it just wouldn't have worked. Um, I, you know, and obviously not putting down what the Beatles did. It's just that, uh, like I said, like with the, the Plastic Ono Band album, I don't see the Beatles making an album like that. That was that was John Lennon. That was, you know, that was his right. sound, his voice. And I just don't, they, see, yeah, yeah, I just don't they, see that. They, they certainly weren't going to work on a Liverpool oratorial together. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things like that. Or, you know, I mean, it just yeah. wouldn't. So, yeah, the solo, the solo years, they were finding their own, their own voices, their own styles. You know, yeah, completely yeah. separate. And George was able to delve into the into completely into the religious spiritual realm. Uh -huh. I mean, he did a little of that. You know, he did a little of that. Like Ken, I think Ken said before, maybe mm -hmm. somebody within you, without you, a little bit. But um, too, yeah, 
you know, you could, you know like, we got living in the material world. I mean, you, you couldn't have, you know, that's an album I like, and you couldn't have that really uh, mm-hmm. with the Beatles, the whole yeah. album. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the flip side of that, even towards the end of the Beatles as a group, you hear so much about how John and George and even Ringo really hated Maxwell Silverhammer. Yeah. You know? Or that they hated Obla oh, Di Obla oh, Da. Well, if they really didn't like doing those songs, they shouldn't have had to do them. Yeah, they would have hated you know? them. Yeah. You know, but they you know, they looked at the greater good of it all and you know, the fact that these are commercial songs, they proved to be very uh, popular on the radio. Obla oh, Di Obla oh, Da was a big album cut. But if it wasn't in their hearts to do that, it was just it's showing the direction. They're going in different musical directions. They shouldn't have to back up songs that they don't want to do. And right. in the case of Maxwell you know? Silverhammer, I think the main thing was that I think Paul allegedly made them do it so many times. I've heard, this, you know. This is yeah. what it might have been. Not so much, maybe just the song itself. And people got to realize, I, I don't love that song, but, but I, I enjoy it for what it is. And it actually has a dark theme behind it. All It's a serial yeah. killer. It's not, you know, that's the that's the creepiness of it. It's a, it's, it's a la-di-da song, but about a guy that's killing people. Yeah. People. I get a chuckle that it was that and Obla Di Obla Da that uh, John um, uh, you know, set aside for him to make that remark that, you know, those songs should be given to other artists to do. Right. You know, that during that, that September meeting. 13th. Yeah, the 13th. On the 13th, the week before, you know, he wanted to, he, he asked for the divorce or told mm-hmm. him about the divorce, you know. So, yeah. yeah, it's... it's. <laughs> we just... Well, at least he did a veto. I know somebody, yeah. they veto cold turkey, though, but... <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but then again, I mean, they, I, I think they realized that that wasn't uh, going to be, you know, commercial or, or the subject matter shouldn't have been, you know, tackled by the, the Beatles, you know, in a way. Maybe, right. You know, a uh, couple of great so, comments here. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark P, a longtime uh, uh, listener, viewer of ours. Said, hey, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, hey, Mark. Yep, what's up? Um, he said, being stuck with just the same three guys must have been stifling. Sometimes you just Absolutely. want to branch out and play with your other friends. Yeah, and, and work Absolutely. with different people. And, and, and yeah, and to, to that point, you know, December 11th and 12th of uh, 68, you know, that really had to have excited John Lennon. When he got to participate in the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circuit, yeah, I was going to. I mean, that, that had that had to have been a real big spark for him to want to to get out of that situation. Sure, and George, Absolutely. George too. Yeah, uh, with uh, the Delanian Body, Delanian Body Tour. Tour. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. yep. Absolutely, they said they really enjoyed it. You know. Yeah. And hanging out with Bob Dylan. You know? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. collaborating with different people. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I uh, also have a, a great uh, comment here from Beetle Ed, who broadcasts our show on Fab Four Radio. And and he said, could we imagine uh, Broad Street, uh, get my rights to Broad Street starring John Lennon? No, I really can't imagine that. Uh, uh, well, I, I, that's the problem. I can imagine, I can imagine a lot of things. <laughs> but, but, I mean, we didn't get it is what I'm saying. But we have to, we have to imagine because John's not here. Yeah, but, <laughs> but uh, I just, yeah, I can't even envision that in any form. No. Yeah. And I always say it a million times. Imagine John on a Howard Stern show. Right. I would have loved to hear Howard and John. You know, yeah, go back that would have been interesting. They would have gotten along great, I think. Oh, yeah, they would have gotten along perfectly. 
they would have made a pretty good team. One, if I don't, if you don't mind me bringing up a couple quotes here from from John that I found that I found very interesting. You know, especially I think these two were from the uh, the the first Rolling Stone interview when uh, when I don't know if this one is, but later um, John said Paul didn't quit. I sacked him. You know, I don't know if you guys, you know, saw yeah. that. And then, and then later he said, I was a fool not to do what Paul did, which is to use it to sell a record, you know, meaning the breakup. You know, he's so right I, about that. Know. But the, the yeah. sack thing, I, yeah. yeah. No, that was just, just, I like John, you know, uh, that interview was him just re- being Probably. exaggerated just to try yeah. to take the, the myth yeah. off and be, be bitter and stuff, you know, a lot of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he was bitter true. about that for mm. sure. Yeah. I mean, like Ken said, I mean, he wanted to be the one to do it. It's just that, you know, how long did did the other three have to wait in order right. for him to do it? It was really had to be, probably be the frustrating thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know. Well, that's uh, all I can say is uh, unless the keep your silence meant like kind of indefinitely, didn't it mean just until we finish this deal? My understanding was what he thought. <laughs> yeah, my understanding was is, was until he finished, they finished finalizing the capital deal because the EMI one was already done. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. So, anything else? <laughs> time is pretty good. Uh, yeah. Time. Well, I think we so, said a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think uh, so. Uh, I guess that's it then, huh? So we I can do the uh, goodbyes. Yeah. And all, and just. Uh, want to say that there are a lot of comments here and we we didn't have time to get to them all but we will definitely uh whether it's on facebook or or when we have this up on youtube we will definitely uh read your comments and respond to them there are a lot of great questions here a lot of great comments uh, we will not ignore yeah i know can you, can you, so many. we just didn't have time to get to yeah. them all. don't worry we will not ignore them <laughs> oh okay okay well, thanks, well, can you can you can you bring one up, Kit? Do we have time for one? Uh, let's see. Gosh, there's so many here. Because uh, I didn't see any brought up, unless I'm, unless just my on my end. I didn't yeah, see no, there, yeah, sure. there are a lot of one of them. I actually okay. I'll bring up one of them, and it's it's and I apologize because it was way back up, uh, scrolled up. So I I don't know who said this. I apologize if 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 you're still watching, you can you know. Uh, let me know who said this, uh, that if they had stayed together in the 70s, would they have been able to kind of remain cool with like the, you know, the glam rock kind of uh, phase and all that? Because and I and I do that was kind of an interesting point, because there was hmm. sort of a phase in the 70s where uh, particularly in England, where the Beatles sort of weren't cool, you know, that there was this kind of rebellion right. against them. I thought that was See, an interesting point. What I always say, yeah. well, a lot of times when I'm discussing with people on my channel, uh, I, I often say, well, you know, the Beatles kind of innovated so many things. Would, would it have even gone in the direction of glam rock? Would it have gone in disco? I don't want to do this old cliche, the Beatles did every, started everything. Because yeah. people set me straight. And they told me, some people said, well, you know, actually the Beatles already were kind of, at the end, were kind of like following more trends. Like it was going a different way, even when the Beatles were still together, you know, maybe with, I don't know, Zeppelin, 
you know, or, or something like that. So I, I like to try to say, oh, you know, maybe they wouldn't have, we don't know if we would have had disco. We don't know if we would have had punk. Yeah. The Beatles would have, talked, yeah. would have decided which way it was going to go. I, I, think exactly. some no, them, I, I think some of them kind of dipped their toes in certain genres, you know, for sure. You know, I, I think if you're going to talk glam rock, you know, I don't know what you think, Ken, but wouldn't you think, you know, uh, what you got was uh, a little glammy, uh, the song, you don't know what you got until... Uh, no. <laughs> no, you don't think it's glam? No, I think it's more yeah. R and B. Okay, Funk. all right. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, but you know, they did. I, I've never thought of silly love songs as disco, although some people look at it as disco. Yeah, like Good night tonight. You know, I've I, I used to think it was disco. Lawrence Juber always says to me, "It's not a disco song," but uh, there are people who are under the impression that was disco. Big time, so nighttime talk. suffering, maybe a little mm. disco beat, maybe. No, not at all. Mm. Nothing mm. like that. But um, <laughs> I mean, well, I, 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 I like disco. So. <laughs> I like disco too, but you know, Paul <laughs> has always disco. dabbled in a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know? But um, yeah. I don't know. The four Beatles were going in such different directions. All four of them. You know, I can't see them, you know, leading another movement, you know, in the 70s. It would have been very diverse, their music, and they would have had to have accepted what the others were writing, even if they may not have really been crazy about it. Right. You know, it's like, it's like I said, I love All Things Must Pass to Death. It's one of my favorite albums. It's such a masterpiece. I can't hear John Lennon or Paul McCartney working on those songs and being on those songs. I just, mm. it's, you know, even when Paul was doing All Things Must Pass in concert, uh, at the concert for George, he had to learn the song. <laughs> like, you know, you don't really know this one. It's, it's kind of a classic, you know, but I think it's kind of, you know, out of out of his ballpark there. It, it, it doesn't fit with the kind of music that he would want to do. They were all going in different directions. And it's beautiful that they were able to explore that and put it out on their own. It right, would George their own. Be, yeah, right. Would George be able to accept not playing the slide guitar in, in, in anybody else's uh, songs? You know, because we know how much he loved doing the slide guitar. You know? Yeah, I yeah. can't hear. I can't hear uh, John and Paul backing up silly love songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on! <laughs> I, I could never. I could never see that happening. So they all went in their own directions, and they were all successful at it. You know, in varying yeah. degrees. And even when there were periods like George, uh, you know, the last of the of the 70s, the last five years, his albums did well, 33 and a third. And, and George Harrison, top 20, had a few hits there, came back big time with Cloud Nine in 1987, you know, had all the success with the Traveling Little Breeze. So there were peaks and valleys, but overall, they all did extremely well. And Paul is still, you know, charting mm -hmm. very well. Yeah, you know, absolutely. if 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 a Paul album doesn't hit the top ten, if it goes top twenty, that's a bomb for him. That's yeah. that's how we look yeah. at it. You know, yeah. but just yeah. about everything he does goes top ten or or yeah. uh, or number one. And we have to do a show someday on setting people straight. Sorry, folks, who think that McCartney, you know, after like he didn't do anything really like into the you know mid eighties beyond. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he did some great albums uh, after after that. Absolutely. Know, I mean, come on. You know, it, it's funny. There was a, a survey that I posted, I think all you guys saw, um, of the top 10 uh, solo yeah. Beatle albums. And I love the list, but it disturbed me that the person who wrote it, nine of the 10 albums were all from the 70s. Mm -hmm. And I love the 70s, and it will always be such a rich period, mainly because the first five years you had John. 
Yeah. And he was putting out albums along with the other three. Nothing like having albums from all four pretty much right. at the same time. But when the 80s uh, went on, I think Paul and Ringo's best work, though I love a lot of Paul's stuff in the 70s, I think he really came into his own in his solo career with Tug of War and then from Press yeah. to Play On. Some right. of his best yeah. stuff has been you know, in all those decades. And Ringo, Time Takes Time mm -hmm. On has and been his yeah. best album except yeah, for the Time Takes Time and, On is right. definitely uh, yeah. returning. And whenever somebody does a top you know, 10, top 20 list of solo albums, it's always going to be the same. The top three is always going to be the same. Just in maybe a different order from time to time. It's always going to be All Things Must Pass. It's always going to be Band on the Run. And it's always going to be Plastic Ono Band in the top three. Or Don't imagine. Always. <laughs> or imagine. I, I, yeah. Or, I, I, yeah, think or, or, I, mean, I imagine, yes. And I think, and Ram, Ram I, think I think they're all worthy. I mean, I have a hard time because, you know. While yeah. while I love, I, I agree with Ken. I mean, there's so much good stuff later that people don't even probably even listen to. Half of them probably haven't even heard it. Mm -hmm. Never mind, listen to it and say it's not up to snuff. They probably haven't even heard it. To tell you the truth, right. yep, so a lot of them. Yep, we have a viewer here that claims. says that it is. Uh, Jeremy said it's scary even at Beetlefest to see the number of fans who are oblivious to 95 percent of the solo uh, solo work, and that's yeah, exactly. why we're here. That's yes. why yes. our show is here. That's why the show exists. That's why I want well, to be a part of it. That's Damn it. right. <laughs> this, is, this is why I say the most impressionable time in a person's life when music has the greatest impact is in their adolescence, teenage years, and to a lesser degree in, the 20, in their 20s. If you're a parent and you're bringing up kids and you've got Beatles music as a group and they're learning that, which is fantastic, Play some solo music too. Expose yep. them to that. Don't force feed it on them. But right. I guarantee you, many of those kids are going to like that music too. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. That, that's cool. why I, I wish that, you know, uh, the, the Sirius XM Beatles channel, which I, I've had off and on, but I can't take it because, and although I do love the shows like, you know, uh, Fab Forum and things like that, those I like, but the music mm. lineup, other than, uh, what, who is it? I forget his name. Chris Carter, I think. Yeah. yeah, playing like a lot of different stuff, because you can you can play, you know. Um, if, I understand having to take care of the masses. You know, I understand you got to play mm. Michelle and you got to play, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, help and whatever. But then play uh, save us, and yes. then after that, you know, you pl go back and you can play. Uh, I don't know, Mother Nature's Son, mm. and play. I saw her standing there, and then instead you play uh, Consciousness Rules, but you sneak them in there right. as you go that's, on. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's exactly what I do. And you do it on, on your show. That's yeah. what. That's what you. And you did that from when I first heard you, back, you know, in the uh, New Jersey. Uh, WDAK. DJ yep. days. And that's what what I would think they should do. Now, and I've heard the argument. People have told me, well, you know why? Because, you know, most people that listen to it, you know, they just want to hear the Beatles. And I say, well, that doesn't really fit for me when you're playing people who influence the Beatles. Now, I, I love Buddy Holly and I love Chuck Berry and Little Rich, all those guys. But that doesn't fit with their narrative. If you're saying that people just want to hear the Beatles, it makes more it's, sense to me to play solo Beatles. It's than, not about the hardcore fans anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, but well, it makes you know, more sense. This this could turn into ten programs. It really could. <laughs> yeah, but that's why. You let me know when you want, want me to say the goodbyes. No, I, just, right, I just want to say one thing because 
uh, even though a lot of people will not agree with this point of view, I look at everything that the Beatles have done, group and solo, as all one body of work. I really do. It all comes down to mainly the songwriters. Nowhere Man is a John Lennon song in the Beatles. Mind Games is a John Lennon song in his solo career. They're both John Lennon songs. If you mix the two of them together, it's still the same four guys. It's whatever they created. And in most cases, like in John, Paul, and George, you've got three of the greatest songwriters of all time. And Ringo has developed into a very good songwriter, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same four people. It's just not, Ooh. the solo music is not with all four of them together. But it's the same minds. It's the same creative brains. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the same, it, it, it's the same four guys. So, actually, me, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, that's how I look at it. And I, I wish the world would look at it that way instead of separating everything. Well, we'll work at that every couple of shows, you know, we keep banging it in there. Pound it into the heads. All right, All folks. Right. So this has been well, a blast as always. So yep. I think what we should do now is wrap it up where we each could give our uh, credentials and what where you can find us and so on, beginning with Kit. All right. Well, um, you can, of course, find me at uh, my website. You can find me on um, Facebook and uh, you have my uh, Facebook page, uh, Kiddo Tools Keynotes. And uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter at Kiddo Tool. I'm going to be uh, recording uh, for a brand new podcast uh, that just uh, started and had a few guests, including our our buddy Ken Womack was on just last week. I think it's called Fans on the Run, and it's uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm yep, and I'm sure you guys are going to be tapped for this podcast pretty oh. soon. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, and it's a, really it's a new podcast where it's um, uh, hosted by uh, Ethan uh, Alexian, and it's about. Um, basically how we became fans of the Beatles. It's, it's strictly from the fan experience. So I'm really looking forward to it. So taping on Wednesday. Right. Yeah, taping on Wednesday. So uh, I'm not sure when it'll be up, but of course, um, you know, I'll have all the information up on my page. Um, we'll get to write back to writing soon. As soon, uh, you know, as soon as I can, there's still things going on with my mom and, you know, we're trying to get, uh, get settled. And, and so as soon as I can, I'll be back to that. Um, and, uh, and also before, uh, we forget, um, you can find, uh, you know, contact us here at talk more talk um at talk uh, or solo talk at gmail.com we're on talk more uh on twitter at talk more talk one that's the number one um and you can find us on because we're number one no i was kidding um no. oh, maybe we are and we can uh, you can find us <laughs> you can find us on uh facebook of course on youtube and uh the when the audio of this goes up we're on virtually any podcasting platform you can think of um we're we're everywhere you can't you can't escape us so uh and please send us your ideas your feedback uh we, yeah, we ideas for shows, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. i'm realizing by the way that i didn't introduce myself at the top of the show i'm joe mayo uh, otherwise <laughs> known as mean mr mayo please check out my youtube channel called mean mr mayo where i talk about beatles solo beatles and other goodies uh and now i take it right over to tom hunyadi Thank you, Joe. And, and Kit, please uh, give uh, your mom our best. You know, we've all been, yes. you know, uh, yeah, making please. sure we, we keep tabs on her, and we all hope that she uh, gets back to 100% soon. So oh, uh, give thanks, her a Tom. big hug and kiss for us. And, I uh, will. I appreciate you know. that. 
You got kiss, it. Kiss, you got kiss. it. Yeah. No, I mean, kiss, kiss, kiss. That's but, no, right. but no kisses on the bottom, though. Not it. Not only one more kiss. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No, we want to give her. Never mind. Anyways. 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 Uh, two legs. So yeah, you can reach us at two legs podcast at gmail.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, two legs podcast. Uh, we just posted our last episode with Ted Montgomery, who did the excellent book, uh, the Paul McCartney catalog. Uh, check it out. It's on, it's on Amazon. You can get it there if you want. Um, we just did a show with Ken Womack, which will be posted later this week. We did a uh, George Martin, Paul McCartney eighties edition. Uh, so we talked about that. Uh, that was a good time. And we're going to uh, be interviewing Chip Mattinger and Mark Easter tomorrow about the eight arms to hold you book. And that'll be more, Paul centric because you know they did focus on all four uh, solo Beatles um, as artists, so we look forward to that as well. And uh, uh, yeah, we've been really busy, and thank you all for uh, for checking the show out. We really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Wow. Okay, uh, Ken Michaels, you. I need forty eight hours in a day to keep up with what Tom's doing. I want to. I want to hear all of really? You're interviewing everybody. Way to yeah, go, Tom. Yeah, we're trying to get him. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I got to keep up with you. You know, you were the inspiration for it all. So, uh... anyway, if you want to get in touch with me directly, my email address is every little thing at att.net. Um, the live uh, broadcast of every little thing is still on hiatus right now. The syndicated show continues. If you want to go to my website, kenmichaelsradio.com, there is a page for every little thing which lists all the radio stations in the country and where it airs what time it airs, links to their radio stations. I just did an interview with Jerry Hammock. And nice. this is oh, great second guy. interview with him. Yep. That's He's volume four? A, that's volume four, yep. Awesome, yep. Um, do you get an interview him, Tom? I, I, when, uh, for the last book, because there's so many great solo stuff there that uh, hopefully he'll be writing about, and we'll, yeah. we'll definitely talk to him then, yeah. But yes, I have interviewed him. Okay. Um, he has put out a series called The Beatles Recording Reference Manual. This is the most recent one, Volume 4. It takes you from uh, the Beatles' White Album through Yellow Submarine, Yellow. early 1969. For anyone that's curious about his books, they really are something if you want to learn all about how the Beatles did their recordings in the studio. It's, a, it's different from what Mark Lewison did with the Beatles recording right. sessions because mm -hmm. what Mark did was on a day-by-day -day basis. This one right. breaks it down song by song, and it tells you all the days that they worked on certain songs, who was the producer, who was the engineers, who played on the tracks, what instruments each Beatle played on the tracks, if he knows accurately. Right. Um, also, what model instruments, if he knows, what um, kind of amplifiers they used, and also how everything was mixed, which also includes, um, you know, reduction mixes for four track, which they did all the time on their recordings. If you want to learn all about that, and there are right. diagrams in this yeah. book for yeah. every single page, and it looks something like this, and it breaks it down. How everything started, and and um, if tracks were transferred to other tracks in a reduction mix, how it was done. If you're fascinated by all that stuff, and it's done in such a way that it's easy to understand, you don't have to be that technical. Right. He yes. and he is he is an engineer by profession, so he is very yeah. qualified to for, to do this uh, project. You yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the interview that I just did, uh, I am now editing, <laughs> and <laughs> it's going to be on the website. Wednesday or Thursday, go to interviews page four, 
I also have my Beatles trivia and games page where you can now win that book, the Jerry <laughs> Havnick book. I have two nice. copies to give away. Also the Ted Montgomery book as well. And I did an interview yeah. just like Tom did with Ted. It's a world of Ted Montgomery here. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, you can hear that interview on interviews page four as well. Right now, my website, there's a server issue, so you can't get anything on the yeah. website. Yeah. It's going to change probably in a few hours. But um, check out the Beatles trivia and games page. There's nine prizes to pick from. You pick one out of nine. There's a winner every single week. And uh, the question this week has to do with songs from Yellow Submarine. So, um, yeah, that's at KenMichaelsRadio.com. Things we said today, we'll do a, a new show next week with Alan Cozen and Darren DeVivo, and we'll talk about uh, the 50th anniversary. This is a year of 50th anniversaries <laughs> of uh, the first McCartney album. Yeah, and it's going to be great, too, because, you know, Cozen's working on that uh, McCartney legacy uh, book with uh, Adrian Sinclair, and I'm really looking forward to to reading it and 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 from what he's told me and and, and from yeah. what he's told Ken as well, um, it it's going to be it looks like it's going to be similar to the Lennonology series in a way where you're going to get you know it's going to be in chronological order and you're going to get to get the timeline uh, uh, timeline which is what something that I've been really looking forward to to seeing because there's so much you know misinformation out there and, and hopefully that they're going to get to the bottom of a lot of this uh, information which they have you know on a lot of items in our topics so really looking forward to it yeah so. it's almost impossible not to have misinformation but yes, as the years true. go on the books yes. get better and better even mark Correct. lewison said that the beatles recording sessions has some inaccuracies yeah. now yeah. so as you learn more as time goes on then it gets better and better yep. and more accurate so right cool all righty then so if we're done uh, i would say uh, everybody thanks for being here and, you know, on behalf of Kiddo Tool, Tom Anyati, and Ken Michaels, I am Mean Mr. Mayo saying, remember, you can't reheat a souffle. So, <laughs> on that note, see you all next time. Stay Take safe, care. everybody. Right. Yes. Stay safe. Take care. What?